0: Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is the best Thanksgiving movie ever made by three 80s icons who are at the top of their game.
1: I think that the only reason that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is the best Thanksgiving 80s movie is only because there really aren't any Thanksgiving movies out there.
0: This is 80s Movies Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is about this frustrated executive who's just trying to get home from a business trip in time for Thanksgiving, but has to encounter a snowstorm and many, many travel delays, as well as an unintentional travel companion. Very unintentional.
1: Like, very, very unintentional.
0: (laughs) So I'm curious what you think about the movie, Riley. Um, I think that overall the reasons that Planes, Trains and automobiles is held up so well is for three reasons. One, you have Steve Martin's character, Neil Page, who basically stands in place for all of us. Anyone who has ever traveled by plane, or I imagine train, or rental car, knows that usually there's a certain level of nonsense that we all have to endure, and we've all been there when a delay occurs, which, you know, no matter if it's no one's fault, or it's Mother Nature, or you know, we're all a lot safer if we don't get on that plane. We all get frustrated because we we just want to get on that plane. We just want to get to where we're going. So when he unleashes, as he does periodically throughout the film, as more things pile up, it's kind of pure fantasy for the viewer because it's the rage we've all wanted to let fly in similar moments. And on the other hand, we all know it's wrong, which is why we don't. And then we see Neil's conscience kick in as soon as he's done with his tirade.
1: Yeah, I mean... I guess it's like that but I feel like it's not that bad and it was extremely over exaggerated like your car does not just blow up into flames while it's just like it's just sitting on the highway like
0: well he was smoking a cigarette which you know I have to say like it was good to show smoking having a consequence <laughs> It's something that discourages smoking in movies because so many uh examples of smoking in film is meant to show it as cool so you know instead he flicks a cigarette um Dell who played his played, played by john candy flicks a cigarette out the window and it instead goes back in the car and eventually sets the car on fire but you're saying you think that that's unrealistic
1: i mean it just was sitting on the seat and it would have like died off like at some point i i feel like it just like would not have caught fire that
0: easily well i think it catches fire and then the whole thing is with fuel you know that's what makes it a bigger explosion but um but also you know one thing i I do understand that you're saying, though, is that what we see happening with Neil is that he flies off the handle and he goes into a rage. And that isn't I think that that is more common now where people, you know, verbalize their rage. And and I think in the 80s, people were more polite in general and didn't do that. You know, so. Uh, they, they, they were more likely to hold it in and be polite and endure. And, uh, and so maybe that's something that we've kind of lost and maybe that's why that's those moments don't, aren't as funny to you because they're more realistic and you're like, yeah, that's just like what people do.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: (laughs) All right. Well then I also think one of the things that really works in this film is John Candy's character, Del Griffith. So he is over the top annoying. Um, but yet, we all know this guy. I mean, you have to say, Riley, you you have people in your life who are annoying. Like right now, I don't know if this podcast is picking it up. Someone's just honking their horn. Like they're just honking their horn. We don't live in New York. We don't live, you know, in, in, in downtown LA. We don't live in these areas yet. Someone is just honking their horn annoyingly outside our window. But the point is, is like... You know, there is that annoying person who you just can't shake, who likes you, who's always around, and you don't want to be mean to them, but yet you're like, I really need you, and I don't, you know, it makes you feel bad if you're mean, but you're like, how can I get this person to leave me alone? And we see Neil try to find ways to get dull, and then, you know, he just winds up feeling guilty. So what do you do for a living,
1: Neil Page? Marketing. Marketing. Super. Super. Fabulous. Isn't that nice? Uh...
0: Look, I don't want to be rude, but uh, I'm not much of a conversationalist, and I'd really like to finish this article. A friend of mine wrote it, so... Don't
1: let me stand in your way. Please, don't let me stand in your way. The last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. <laughs> you know, nothing grinds my gears worse than some chowder head who doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. If you catch me running off of the mouth, just give me a <laughs> poke in the chops. But it just made me more annoyed, because like, I know that feeling, and it like pisses me off sometimes.
0: Also, the thing that I think works is not just that we know that Dell is annoying and we recognize that, but, you know, this is a real empathy builder of a film. And so, one of the great things about movies is that it allows you to, it puts you in someone else's shoes. And so, this is really Neil's story, and we're really seeing it through Steve Martin's character. But Dell gives us examples of why he, you know, yes, he's annoying, but he's going through something and we don't really realize what it is he's going through. We don't even know until the very end of the film. But I think that there's this one scene. And to me, it's the scene that makes the whole film. And it's the scene where, um, Neil unleashes on, he's so frustrated with Dell, and Dell's just, you know, Dell does take advantage. Dell does do things like that. And so finally he's had it and he's leaving, and he just tears into Dell. And he's just going off on him, saying really cruel things, calling him names. And then the way Dell comes back is something that, like, kind of hits us all in the heart.
1: You want to hurt me? Go right ahead of it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Cause I'm the real article. What you see is what you get.
0: I feel like anyone who's been bullied can kind of relate to that moment of where Dell stands up for himself and uh, says something in a way that makes the bully understand that what he's doing is wrong. Um, I also think the third thing that makes this movie amazing is John Hughes. So John Hughes finally graduates from the teen dramedy in this film. Before that, you know, of course he'd written National Lampoon's Vacation. And then when he got into directing, it was, um, you know, 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club and Some Kind of Wonderful. And he had all of these teen films. And so finally he's doing an adult film. And this Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is somewhat based on an experience that he went through where he was trying to get home uh, in time. He was on a business trip and was left the mo- Wednesday morning before Thanksgiving, and was you know in town in New York to do his pitch, and then he was supposed to be back Wednesday night, and then there was a snowstorm, and he winds up in Wichita, Kansas, and he cannot get home, and it took him five days, where the characters in our movie, which seems re- unrealistic, took three days, so he definitely had some real material to work with. Um, but you know, finally, he gets this film where he's writing a story about two adults, and it's such a simple premise: you got two men, total opposites, forced together by fate. And it's a little bit of a trope today. I mean, not a little bit. It is. It's a trope today. But he approaches it with this um, fresh take, you know, which is that we all know what it's like to travel for the holidays. You know, we've all been there. We we want to get to where we're going to have that magical experience of spending the holidays, whether it's unwrapping gifts or having Thanksgiving dinner or just relaxing with family. But to do that, we have to go through the nightmare of travel. And what I think is what makes it – hold up in my opinion is that travel has gotten even worse since 1987. You know, we didn't have to deal with the airports as much as we do now. Um, uh, but I don't know, like, what did you think about that, right? Well,
1: I mean, from my experiences at LAX, it's, there's always that little bit of annoyance that you have, but at the same time, I think that it's, it's really not that bad. Like, especially how they like prescribed it in the movie. I didn't think it was like that bad. You
0: didn't think their experience was that bad or that our experience our, is that
1: bad? Our experience is not that bad.
0: Oh well yeah I would say our experience isn't that bad but um it was really really bad for him in the movie obviously it's over the top exaggerated but um you know it's funny as I'm listening to you say that I think well that's because you're a kid and you don't have the responsibilities of a parent who are like try- have three kids in tow trying to keep them entertained try to keep them fed and you know in carrying all kinds of luggage but that's just me that's just me um so I wanted to know if you could identify why this film Planes Trains and Automobiles is rated R. Because really, I think you would say it's a family film to some degree. Like, in today's terms, you would see this as no worse than, certainly no worse than, like, a daddy's home. <laughs> or, yeah. I,
1: or I honestly have no idea why.
0: Okay. It comes down to one scene. And I actually didn't even realize it, even though I've seen this film a bunch of times, when we rewatched it together. And so for your first time, you know, what happened was, and this was almost similar to what? Wait,
1: wait, wait. Was it the part and they woke up in the morning?
0: No, I thought oh. maybe it was that too, right? Where Dell and Neil have to share a bed and they wake up and uh, they they're say, cuddling. They're cuddling. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe, I'm like, was there such an anti gay sentiment that yeah. that's what made it rated R? But no, that's not it. And so what happened was we watched the film. We tried to watch it on Stars on Demand, but then. It kept crashing. Like every 10 minutes, our TV would crash and it'd make us start all over from the beginning. So then we would like fast forward to where we were. And so after going through that three times, we were like, you know what? I had recorded it on AMC, you know, which is commercial television. And we're like, okay, let's just finish watching it on that. So what I realized is that they had edited the part that is rated R and which, by the way, makes the scene even funnier. So I'm going to show that to you and then I want to get your reaction
1: welcome to marathon may i help you yes how
0: may i help you
1: you can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks then you can give me a fucking automobile a fucking datsun a fucking toyota a fucking mustang a fucking buick four fucking wheels and a seat
0: i really don't care for the way you're speaking to me May I see your rental agreement?
1: I threw it away.
0: Oh,
1: boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked.
0: There's no way the studio would let a PG-13 rating go for... 18 f bombs. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm actually kind of amazed they did then. But I think it's because you had John Hughes, who was a powerhouse, and Steve Martin, who was a powerhouse, and um, and John Candy too. But I think, but what I found out was that one of the reasons Steve Martin did this film was that scene. He really sparked to that scene and the character flying off the handle and unleashing all those uh, f words, and so. I can imagine then that there's no way they were cutting that scene. And by the way, the scene is a master class in comedic acting. Um, Edie McClure, who came from uh, the Groundlings, um, she is just an improv master. And so the whole beginning of the scene where she's going through all the things that she's gonna do uh with over Thanksgiving and that they have to make ambrosia and they have to wake their mom up and all of this kind of stuff, like, you know, she's just improving it. And she said it was just her, you know, just stuff that she would say in her real life if she was having a conversation with her sister. But there's moments like that, or where she scratches her hair with uh, with a pen, and and every little bit of it is just like calculated perfection to some, you know, when it comes to comedy. So it's just a great scene and worth the rated R. And of course, this is a film made in 1987, and there are many 80s hallmarks in it, like the Casio watch that Dell wears. It's a brand you probably haven't heard of. Um, Yes, I have. You've heard of Casio? Yeah. Okay. Nobody has a Casio anything, right?
1: I don't think so, but it's not unknown. Okay, okay.
0: Um, And then the car that they drive before it... It, you know, explodes into flames is a um, LeBaron, a Chrysler LeBaron Town and Country, which my parents had a LeBaron, and it was just a very eighties car. But in fact, that exact car was only available for three years in 1987, the year they that this film was released. That was the last year they even made that car. So that's very eighties. But I think the most eighties thing is that it feels like this situation could be much earlier remedied with things like a phone or uh uber you know helping them get from place to place i mean one thing uh you know at one point he's not that far from chicago and you're like why don't you just have your wife come and pick you up but you know part of it is he can't he has to wait till he gets to a pay phone and um and there's just things that feel like in this day and age you wouldn't have to deal with
1: no not at all
0: <laughs> how what would you do today to resolve some of those issues
1: Um, well, I can't drive, so I couldn't rent a car. Um, I would probably, I would just have, like, landed a hotel and waited for the next flight. Like, I mean, I understand he had to get home, but I think everyone, that's what everyone on the plane was trying to do, so... Yeah, I just would have, like, called a hotel.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the difference is, is a parental desperation to get home to be with your kids, whereas you'd be like, vacation. (laughs) Like, I get to take a break from my family. Well, okay. I would
1: call a hotel, stay there for the night. Now, you get that there wasn't a
0: hotel available the first night, right? That's why he winds up hanging out with Del Griffith is because there are no rooms. Yeah, but they were at a hotel. Yeah, but there were no rooms. He got the last one, and Del only got it because he sold shower rings to the owner and they only had the one room well
1: then i would have found dell or yeah i would have found (laughs) dell stayed at the hotel then got a taxi drove near chicago like as close as i could get call another hotel for that night and then do the same thing the next day
0: Mm -hmm. uh okay well maybe that would have solved it but we'll see um all right so finally uh what what is your takeaway from this film
1: I mean, I think they were trying to get at that family's important and you need to be there for the little moments because you won't have them.
0: But, you know, cliche. I (laughs) I think the takeaway from the film is, you know, Thanksgiving's really supposed to be... It's You know, it's a time that we celebrate with family, but, you know, the idea of it is really that we're there for each other, even people we don't know, and it's supposed to be a time where we kind of, you know, are charitable and do for others, and that's where the film lands by the end. You know, it's having empathy for others. It's thinking about what other people are going through at a hard time, which is the holidays and inviting them into your life, even if they're a little annoying. Yep. Thanks for listening to us here at 80s movies guide. Uh, Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media of your choice and look for our podcasts. Thanks.
1: Peace.